Praise the Lord, everybody. Pastor Fields here. And I'm back again. As we have been doing in the past, we're doing again on this Wednesday, coming together as God's people to go into the word of the Lord. And as we say all the time, let's get into God's word so his word can get into us. I'm so grateful. Yes, I am. I'm grateful for the Lord watching over me and my family, keeping me in my right mind, a mind to pray and to praise his wonderful name. We are in the midst of this 21-day fast, and I'm so grateful to the Lord for his keeping power. I believe this is the fourth day of our fast. We started, some of us, on Sunday. Some uh, started on Monday, uh, but we're all together now moving in the same direction, calling on the name of the Lord. And remember, this 21 days of fasting, we are fasting, eating one meal a day, fasting from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And eat that meal, won't you? Um, Pray before you go into that meal. Uh, And we're trusting the Lord. Now, those of you who are on medication, you may use the Daniel fast. Uh, And for those of you who don't know what that is, you're you're eating uh, no meats and no sweets. We get that out of the third chapter of the book of Daniel. Uh, everyone else was eating the king's meat. Uh, but Daniel and the three Hebrew boys said, we will not bow down. We will not eat the king's meat. Uh, just give us pulse, P-U-L-S-E. Just give us pulse to eat. Uh, and the Hebrew signifies the type of porridge. Uh, grains, barley, wheat, um, vegetables, anything but the king's meat. Uh, And the Lord blessed them. They looked a whole lot better than everybody else that was eating the king's meat. Um, So we're trusting God. He will revive. He will renew. He will restore. He will strengthen. He will heal. Miracles are going to break out in the midst of this fast. I'm believing God. How about you? All right. We haven't started yet, but I want you to put it in the comment section. I'm believing God for a miracle. All right. Today, while we're waiting for more of the saints to come on in, um, today I will be starting another series Uh, Yes. Now, uh, our last series, you just came out of it. I enjoyed it. I told you it would be a recurring series. What's going on in the kingdom? What's going on in the kingdom of God? And we use the parables. Uh, We chose certain parables uh, and we certainly did enjoy that. Now I'm going to start another series, three part series uh, entitled Let's Talk About the Church. Let's Talk About the Church. Um, let's pray. Let's go into prayer. Father, we love you so much and we're so grateful for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. I thank you, Lord, for another opportunity to go into your word. Thank you for another opportunity to to share. I pray that you touch everyone that, oh God, connects with us on tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, uh, for this, we're in the book of Ephesians, that book of Ephesians. Uh, So I want to give you time to turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Chapter 3. And 
the title on the theme of this series, three parts. This will be the first installment. Let's talk about the church. Now we're going to deal with some foundational things. Uh, yes, and some things that might contradict our tradition. Uh, and, you know, the more I study the word of God, the more I discover that there are some things that we teach and some things that we think uh, that are not necessarily scriptural. Uh, is You know, is just how we do. We do how we do. Some of it is just cultural. Uh, but I promise you, I'm going to stick with the word of God. I'm not going to veer from the word. Uh, we need his word. Uh, and I love his word, so I would not teach or preach anything else other than his word. In Ephesians, I hope you're there now, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you, Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. As I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifest wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith in him. I'll stop right there. And we're talking about the church. Let's talk about the church. And as for stated, we're in the book of Ephesians now. And it, it's a book, of course, an epistle that was written by the Apostle Paul. And by many theologians, it is considered to be the mountain peak of biblical revelation biblical revelation. Uh, and we say this uh, because rather than like in his other epistles or his other writings, they were deeply rooted in doctrinal controversy or uh, pastoral problems. Like, for instance, the Corinthian church, a powerful church, a lot of potential, but they had a lot of problems and he had to deal with division and other things. Uh, to one church, he writes, let there not be any brawling. Uh, and you know, brawling is not argument. Brawling is putting your hands on one another. So uh, this book was a little different. Uh, it, it is full. It is full and overflowing with revelation. Uh, 
revelation. Um, and it is a revelation, I should say, that is attributed to the fact that Paul had a very strong personal prayer life and the Lord would open things up to him. On one occasion, he says, I was left in Athens alone and the Holy Ghost taught me. Uh, and Peter, as he talks about the writings of Paul, he said, this, this fellow writes some stuff that is difficult for even me to understand. Uh, but I know it's God. I know it's the Holy Ghost. Uh, so I know, and we know, I should say, from, from history and studying the text further, that Paul is writing this epistle from prison. Uh, he says in his writings, I am a prisoner of Christ on your behalf. Uh, I'm in this jail because I wouldn't shut my mouth. <laughs> I'm in this predicament because I refuse to stop preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So his theme, his theme is uh, Christ and the church. Christ and the church. The church and Paul is writing to them because he is longing uh, he is longing for them to advance in faith listen to what I'm saying I don't just want you to go to church I don't just want you to speak in tongues I don't just want you uh, to brag about who your pastor is but I want you to advance I want you to continue in faith love wisdom and revelation of the father of all glory uh, he writes those words. Uh, we won't read it to you, but it's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. Now, Paul, in the first three chapters, um, and I'm going to take this series out of the first three chapters, Paul is teaching about the church. He's teaching us some things about the church, maybe some things you and I really hadn't thought about and really hadn't contemplated um, maybe you heard it before and you know sometimes when you teach things the saints say uh, well I heard all that before uh, and something in my spirit cringes because I was always taught growing up in the church uh, that it doesn't matter how many times you hear it how many times you read it uh, when you dig deep enough into the word you'll always come out with something new something fresh the Lord will show you something the word of God is something else let me tell you the deeper you get into God's word, the more it will bless you. Paul teaches three things uh, in, in the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, a powerful book. These three things he teaches about the church. He teaches us that the church is three things. The church is a body, the church is a temple, and the church is a mystery. Now it's a three-part series. Uh, and I'm choosing, like I did once before, to go backwards. I'm going to start with the mystery and go back uh, to the very first uh, thing that he says about the church. I don't know why I do that. I just like going backwards. I go to the end and go backwards with it. Pray for me. Um, but I, I love to do it this way. Three things. Remember, three things Paul teaches in this epistle. The first three chapters, chapter one, he talks about the church as being a body. Chapter two, he talks about the church as being a temple. Chapter three, now he deals with the mystery of the church. So I'm starting tonight, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm starting tonight uh, from what is considered to be the final doctrinal section of this epistle. 
the final doctrinal section. As, as for stated, Paul taught that the church is a body, a temple, uh, and tonight we're starting with the third aspect uh, that he teaches concerning the church, that the church is a mystery, a mystery. Now listen, when I talk about mystery tonight, I'm not dealing with uh, the fact or I have no resemblance to the connotation of what mystery means to us today. Who done it? You know, uh, it really means something that has not been revealed yet. He's talking about something that has not been revealed yet. And um, so as it relates to mystery, uh, there, there are two extreme views uh, with this just one aspect of the mystery of, church, of the church or the church being a mystery, I should, I should say. Um, and, and I'm just laying a foundation before I dig in. There's one group that completely ignores the statement that Paul makes. Uh, when he talks about in the third chapter, he's dealing with the fact that uh, the church was not a revelation that was given in the Old Testament. Now, this might mess with some of you all's theology, uh, but, you know, in the Old Testament, there were types and shadows, uh, and everything was pushing towards the Messiah. There's going to be a Redeemer. There's going to be a Savior, but there, there, there is nothing... Um, I should say, uh, revealing the church. The church remained a mystery until the New Testament. Uh, he gathered himself a people, yes. Uh, he gathered himself a people. Listen to me further. Yeah, I'm messing with some of you. Uh, and, be and because of this view, though, uh, that many, but this group has, uh, and, and it, there's a group that, and they, they're dealing with what's called covenant theology. Covenant theology. And they treat the church as though it's a continuation of Israel. It's a continuation of Israel. Now, um, if that were true, you and I wouldn't be saved today. Non-Jewish people would not be saved today. And Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not. The word of God also says that to the Jew first and then the Gentile. Now we do see in the Old Testament where the Lord included non-Jewish people in the lineage of the Messiah, right? Yes. Now that's another lesson, but it's a powerful lineage, powerful powerful lesson. This group of people, they appropriate all the promises that God made to Israel and apply them to the church. They apply every promise that was made to Israel to the church. Now the problem with that, because um, to tell the total truth, there are, there are promises, there are things that God said, he's talking to Israel, right? And people that subscribe to this state, they would say, well, all the promises uh, are for us now. Uh, the thing that puzzles me, though, is that they say nothing about the curses. Because if you if don't just grab the promise, grab the curse, too. If ye hearken to my voice, all of these blessings shall overtake you. But if uh, then you go down later on, it says, but if you do not hearken to my voice, all of these curses will come upon you. So it, it I'm wondering, why do you just grab the promise? Right. Uh, but you don't say anything about the curse 
if you don't acknowledge uh, if you don't acknowledge God, if you don't obey God. Uh, so if you're going to totally subscribe to covenant theology, uh, then you, you have to make sure that you take care of your side of the agreement. The, the other group um, is the more up-to-date group. They don't go as far as the Old Testament, but they, they deal with New Testament principles. But uh, they emphasize on Paul's statements where he's talking about the fact that uh, the church is not an Old Testament revelation. Uh, and now he's talking about his knowledge of the mystery of Christ or the mystery of the church. Uh, and this group, they treat uh, this peculiar revelation as though it is just totally Paul's. They attribute it totally to Paul. Now this group, now the first group I talked about is covenant theology. Uh, but this group is, is called hyper-dispensationalism. Yeah, uh, hyper-dispensationalism. And uh, the problem with this theology is they keep moving the actual time where the church began. They keep, it's, it's like a sliding scale because some theologians that, theologians, I'm sorry, that subscribe to this go all the way back to Adam and Eve and say that's when the church started. Um, but they forget about Pentecost. <laughs> Pentecost, now uh, in the garden, uh, I would say the family was the church. He started the family. He was dealing with procreation, um, sacrifice, and, and uh, the concept or uh, the alluding to or uh, to redemption and salvation. Uh, we get a hint of it in the garden where he kills an animal and puts uh, skins on them. But the church, the church started on the day of Pentecost. Now that's just a precursor. I'm laying a little foundation to you uh, because I have a whole lot to get through. This is just number one. This is just the first installment and I'm starting with the mystery. I'm starting with the mystery first. So um, Paul is talking about the church and remember I told you chapter one, uh, he talks about the church being a body. Chapter 2, he's talking about the church being a temple. And chapter 3, he talks about the mystery of the church. Now, in each chapter, um, I want you to know that in each chapter, he's not talking about the church as though it's a building made with brick and mortar. I, I, I'm, and I'm so glad about that because there's so many people... Um, who treat this as though the church is just a building, the church is just a building, the church is just, everything is about a building. And yes, I love beautiful churches. I love to sit in a nice, beautiful edifice. Uh, but when the rapture comes, that beautiful temple is going to be right there and the church will be lifted up. So when the rapture comes, the building is not going to be caught up in the air. You and I, Hallelujah. You and I will be caught up in the air. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm so excited about this series. Uh, we're talking about the church, the church of the living God. Amen. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. 
and in these verses, we are given seven truths about the church. Uh, and it's very important for us to understand this. Paul is talking about it. Uh, and, and let's read, for this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, I have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me, you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby uh, when we re read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages, in other ages, before this time, it was not made known unto us or unto the sons of men as it is now revealed. The church is now revealed. This is, this is the church. And I want you to know, uh, the moment the church was revealed, the, the church started getting resistance because people's idea of church and God's idea of church are two different things. As a matter of fact, people are saying, what is, what is this? What is this church? What is this? Uh, and, and people are saying you got to be born into this church. You must be born again. That what a revelation that was. Hallelujah. What a revelation he says. And they, they couldn't see it then. But because of the Holy Ghost and because he's dealing with his prophets and apostles now. He's building his church by, and he says it in chapter in verse five, I'm sorry, by the apostles and prophets, by the Spirit. Hallelujah. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So here we have the mystery of the church. And the word mystery, the word mystery will occur. Uh, in verses 3, 4, and 9. Verse 3. Uh, verse 3, 4, and 9. Let me get it for you. He says, How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words. Verse 4, he says it like this. If you have your Bibles, you can read it with me. I'm having trouble with my iPad tonight. You pray for me. Whereby when we read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. In verse 9, he says it again. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Uh, so he talks about the mystery of the church. And it does not mean uh, that which is obscure or unintelligible. But it means... A divine secret, something that was not known before, only to those to whom it was revealed, only to those to whom it was revealed. Right. And Paul is saying it was revealed unto me. I was in prayer. I was talking to the Lord. He said, by revelation, he made known unto me this mystery, this mystery. We're going to get into this. Ephesians 3 and 3, we read, now let's compare it to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 through 12. And listen to what Paul says to the Corinthian church. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. <laughs> Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. None of them knew. None of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Listen, had they known what God was up to, 
if they had known, really understood what Jesus was all about, they would not have crucified him. But as it is written, I have not seen, ear, heard, neither have it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit, for the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God, for what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given us by God. Paul is digging deep. He's digging deep and letting them know now in this third chapter that the church is, the church is a mystery. And let me tell you, there was a whole lot of folk upset when Jesus started his church. Hallelujah. When when the the curtain was pulled back and he started revealing this is it, not by power nor might, but it's by my spirit. When the Holy Ghost was falling, it disrupted a whole lot of people's concept of what praise and worship was all about. Now well, we've got power now. Hallelujah. Demons are being cast out. Now we have all of these people talking about I've been born again. My life has changed. Yes. Hallelujah. I'm loving this already. Uh, it was a special revelation of truth. The church was given or that revelation, I should say, concerning the church. Paul said God gave it to me. He showed me. Uh, now, listen. Um, Paul is talking to in such a way that, and listen to my notes. The special revelation of the truth of the church was first made to Paul, but he would not have understood the dispensational significance of the mystery of the church apart from the revelation that was given to him by God. In other words, Paul wouldn't know what he was talking about unless God showed it to him. And likewise, we can't understand certain things unless the Holy Ghost reveals it unto us. Yes, the significance of the mystery without God illuminating my mind, showing me what this mystery is, uh, the Holy Ghost moving uh, upon our intelligence because, you know, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts, and we need the Holy Ghost to show us, right? Uh, John talked about it, and he said the Holy Ghost will show you and teach you all things. Let's go to Romans 11 and 25. For I would not, brethren, that ye would be ignorant of the mystery, <laughs> lest ye should be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part uh, is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. People didn't understand it. What didn't they understand? They couldn't understand how people like you and me were being brought into this church. There were people upset. The Holy Ghost was falling, right? Even during the council, when you read the book of Acts, they were upset that the Gentiles, they were, the, the Bible uses the word astonished, that the Gentiles are now speaking in tongues. Holy Ghost is falling on them. Who are they? Uh -huh. My response would be, well, who are you? First Corinthians 15, 51, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. This whole thing is a mystery. How? 
and people were asking questions. You're talking about the church. You told me I had to be born again. You told me the only way into the church, uh, I had to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and that same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is going to quicken our mortal bodies. Now you want me to believe that uh, they that die in Christ shall rise first. Uh, and part of this mystery is that all of us won't be dead uh, when the rapture comes, we, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. All of this was encompassed in the mystery that the Lord was revealing unto Paul. That's why he was able to discuss the rapture. None of the other apostles were able to get it. Paul said, what is all this? What are you talking about? Paul is able to explain it because while he was in prayer, the Lord just pulled back the curtain and started showing him things uh, that he's going to do with his church. So you got to make sure you're in the church. And I don't mean in the building. I mean the church. I don't, I'm not asking you who your pastor is. I'm not asking you the name of your particular church that you attend. I want to know, uh, and you need to ask and make sure, am I in the church that Jesus built? Church that Jesus built. Ephesians, I'm going to take you back to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, how that by revelation... He made known unto me the mystery as I wrote it down, wrote it down in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. He said, I want you to get this. I want you to understand what God explained to me. So when he gets down to chapter six of Ephesians, verse 19, he says this, and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Now that I know it, I have to share it. I have to tell you this mystery of the church. And we're going to get deeper into it. And you'll see why some people got upset at Paul for preaching this. Now, Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. Peter was the apostle and he was ministering to the Jews, right? Uh, two different groups of people, but the same gospel two different groups of people to to the jews uh peter had to open up his mouth and say there's no other name there's none other name given unto heaven whereby men must be saved he was pointing them towards pointing them towards jesus paul talking uh to the gentiles was speaking to them and and telling them to come out of darkness Separate yourself from the unclean thing. Uh, move away from that heathenism. There's only one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Right? He's, he's talking to a different group, but the same gospel, all pointing them towards Jesus. This was part of the mystery uh, because there were those who were in the church who felt like they, they shouldn't be here. They, they shouldn't be here. Uh, and listen, that mentality has followed us all the way up into the racial divide. Um, the only reason why there is a black church and a white church uh, is, is, well, that's another lesson. I'll deal with that another time. Um, but let's, let's stick with this mystery of the church now. Uh, and 
he starts dealing uh, with the meaning of the church, the mystery of the church, the mystery of the church. Uh, it's revealed unto him. God is, God is going to have people from every nation, uh, from every background, from every color. Doesn't matter what color you are. Uh, the only thing that matters is that you gave your life to him and he saved your soul. It was a special revelation of truth that many could not deal with then. And there's a whole lot of people that cannot deal with it now. There are people that actually feel like uh, they're the only ones going to heaven. They're the only ones that God is going to take out of here. That ain't true. Hallelujah. I've got sheep in other folds. You, you don't even know. You haven't even seen. You don't know what's, what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm, I'm filling with my presence. And I'm going to rapture a church on into glory. This was some tough talk Paul was laying out. And then he starts dealing with the meaning of the church. And what, what do we mean? What do we mean when we speak of the church? When I talk about the church, and, and a better question would be, what does God mean when he talks about the church? We're not, we're not talking about uh, a church that is a building that I forestated. Uh, we are talking about the church. We're talking about the church. Ephesians. Um, okay, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So uh, let's go to verse 10. Ephesians 3 and 10. Uh-huh. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifest wisdom of God. I'm going to back up and go to verse 6 where it says that the Gentiles, the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. And of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So this is the meaning of the church. The church is not just for one particular group of people. It's not just for one neighborhood. It's not just for one country. But uh, I'm going to pull from every nation. Hallelujah. I'm going to let the Holy Ghost fall and I'm going to pull from every nation. And, and Paul's day, you had people and some today even that felt like it's only for us, nobody else. But the word of God, John gives it to us. Said, so God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Hallelujah. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, so listen, in, in the verses that I just read in verse 10 and 6, we're told that the church is, uh, or I should say what it is and how it is composed. The key word here is body, the church then, and and. Here in chapter one, he was talking about the fact that the church is a body, the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. Uh, and this is part of that mystery because, uh, you know, the Jews were in the temple. They were into building temples. They even took Jesus on a tour and bragged about the, the splendor of the temple. And Jesus told them there's going to be a day when not one stone will be left. 
This temple is going to be destroyed. So, uh, God forbid if somebody came and burned down the, the church building, uh, the church is still alive. Listen, some of you, were, I, I saw some comments on Facebook where people were arguing, oh, you shut the doors of the church. You shut the doors of the church. Uh, you know, and every time I heard it, I cringed. No, uh, COVID didn't, sh the COVID shut the doors of the building. But the doors of the church are still open. The doors of the church won't close. And I told you the other week with the 10 virgins, the door won't be shut until the bridegroom comes. So COVID has not shut the doors of the church. We can't come into the building because of a virus. But the doors of the church are still open. Put that in the comment section. Hashtag the doors of the church are still open and they won't close until the bridegroom comes. So the meaning of the church uh, and the key word Paul uses even in the third chapter. Uh, and if we go to chapter four, let's go to four. Uh, I just want to show you something for the perfecting of the saints, uh, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's the church. So he's letting them know. Uh, the church is not a building, but speaking the truth in love. I'm in verse 15, chapter four of Ephesians uh, may grow up un, un, into him rather in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So he says not only uh, is the body the church, but the body should be growing. That's that's another reason why I know the church is not a building. The church is a body. It's a it's a mystery. <laughs> that that he would call the church a body. Church is a body and a body, a healthy body, a healthy body, a healthy church grows. It grows. So it's body and, and we're comparing. Let's go to verse 16, Ephesians 4 and 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That's a whole mouthful. But look at it like this. When you build a natural building, you put brick upon brick and there's mortar in between each brick and you get enough bricks, you'll have an entire building. But the church is a body. Each one of us are a part of the church, a piece of the church, and we are the whole body, he says. The whole body, the whole church is fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supply of. So I'm, I'm connected to you. You're connected to me according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase. So according to what I have in me. And according to what you have in me and you, rather, we should be so connected that we're we're feeding off of one another. You're being a blessing to me. I'm being a blessing to you. You're encouraging me. I'm encouraging you according to the effectual working and the measure. Every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying. Listen of itself of itself. Listen, everything we need. Everything the church needs has already been connected. We're already together and we're supposed to edify one another in love. Now, in, in studying and meditating, listen, Paul is talking some good stuff 
And I'm saying, well, why are we so disconnected then? Why is there so much disconnection and division? Uh, because we're hurting ourselves. We're supposed to be fitly joined together. That's the meaning of the church. The meaning of the church is not praise breaks. The meaning of the church is not how big of an offering you can lift. The meaning of the church, the church is a living, breathing organism, a body fitly joined together. Yes, I'm going to dig deeper. And he says Christ is the head. Christ is the head. So that means none of us could ever be the head of the body. We could never be the head. And you can be the pastor of a church. You can be over a, an auxiliary. Uh, but my body, Jesus said, I'm the head. Nobody can be the head but me. He is the head and the chief cornerstone. So he's the head of the body. Who are the members of the church? And how do they become members? <laughs> I might get in trouble right here. Who are the members of the church? Because we're talking about the meaning of the church. Who are the members of the church and, and how do they become members? So, you know, somebody might say, well, I, I shook the preacher's hand and they made me a member. My, my name is written on the roll. I pay my tithes and they made me a, a member. I'm a member. Listen, uh, and that's all good. You, everybody should have a church home, a place that you call your place of worship. But in order to be in the church that Jesus built, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. We used to sing a song, you can't join it, you got to be born in it. Uh, this is the church of the Lord, Jesus Christ. Y'all remember that song? Yeah, you got to be born in it. Uh, so uh, the members of the church of those who have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, born again, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. Hallelujah. Who are the members of the church? The redeemed of the Lord. You've been redeemed? You better open your mouth and say so. Put it in the comment section. I've been redeemed. That, that puts you into the church. How do you become members? Those who have said yes to the Lord, been down in his name, filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. So the mystery of the church, the meaning of the church, the membership of the church, the membership of the church. Ephesians 3 and 6 says this, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Listen, I want you to know, because there was an issue here, the Jews even, uh, listen, listen to how crazy this is. The Jews that had converted to Christianity, they, they were born again. They were saying that any Gentile that wants to be saved, they had to be circumcised first. And Paul was hot. Paul didn't like that at all. Uh, what about the circumcision of the heart? Even during the council in the, in the book of Acts, uh, when he brings uh, his son Timothy with him and some of the other Greek sons that he had, you know, because he's preaching to the Gentiles. And they said, oh, uh, they have to be circumcised first. Could you imagine a grown man? Um, I'm, and I'm, I said, yes to the Lord, I want to be 
filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. If, could you imagine? Uh, baptismal pool is in the social hall. And they say, I want to be baptized. And I pulled a knife out and said, okay, before I baptize you, I need to circumcise you. That's how crazy it was back then. That it was an argument. And Paul stood up and said, no. No, this is not, this is not what the gospel of Jesus Christ is talking about. Uh, he's talking about the circumcision of your, of your heart. That's what he's talking about. So uh, the membership of the church now, now we're getting in muddy waters. Because now you got people standing up saying she can't come in here. He has no business in here. Let me tell you, even in the apostolic arena, you have people uh, who are so, I don't even know what to call them, who feel that they have a right to say who can be saved and who can't be saved, even to question somebody's salvation because of where they come from. But you know the Holy Ghost is so powerful, he can wash away any stain. The Holy Ghost can save anybody. The Holy Ghost can penetrate any wall, tear down any petition. It doesn't matter what culture you come from. It doesn't matter how dark or light your skin is. It doesn't matter what the name of your country is, who your president is. To the utmost, Jesus saves. I know, listen, if he could save me. He can save anybody, but they were upset with Paul bringing them this mystery. This is a mystery. I don't know. I don't have a right to say uh, who gets saved and who I, I was just told to deliver the mail. I was just told to preach the gospel to those Gentiles. And when I opened my mouth, they were getting the Holy Ghost. They were saying, what must I do to be saved? I baptize them in Jesus name and the same Holy Ghost you have, they have. He said the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise. So there goes that theology that says um, that only the Jews, only the Jews can be blessed. Only the Jews can be saved. He said they're, they're partakers too of the same promise in Christ, in Christ by the gospel so here it is he's messing with the membership of the church and he's messing with those who feel like they have a monopoly let's talk about the church uh, he says the jew and the gentile were to be united in one body was an entirely new thing listen uh we're not there we're not in philemon but paul you know paul was a radical uh, even as it related to slavery because you know slavery was a way of life back then um, and so you had a situation where you had a slave owner and you had a slave by the name of Onesimus, right? And the slave runs away and he runs into Paul and gets the Holy Ghost. And Paul writes a letter and says, listen, he left you a slave, but he's coming back to you as your brother. He's telling him he's saved now. This slavery stuff, he heard the, the gospel and God saved him. And so now many times you had the slave and the slave master sitting in the same house, listening to the same gospel. And Paul was saying, I know this is a, a social thing, but the Holy Ghost transcends social order. I want you to listen to me. There's, no, there's neither bond nor free. 
and this is another lesson. I, I need to I need to teach a few lessons on the complicity of the church as it relates to um, racism and even slavery. I need to teach a few lessons on that because the church in America played a big part in slavery. Now I know there was there was slavery in other um, in other cultures, yes. Uh, but in America, this is the only time now uh, where they're pulling God into the picture as if to say God told us to tell you that you're supposed to be a slave. And I need to deal with that. That's another series of lessons. I'm going to talk about that real hard. I might wait until um, Black History Month to start going into the word of God and, and dealing with the church's complicity in that um, and and dealing with the membership of the church that sort of stirred that thought in my mind. But here we go. Uh, the gospel is preached, talking about the membership. The Holy Spirit convicts and converts. Souls are born again. And Jews and Gentiles both were filled with the same Holy Ghost. There wasn't, there wasn't a, a Jewish Holy Ghost and a Gentile Holy Ghost. It was once by one spirit. Are we all baptized by one spirit? Mm -hmm. Let's go 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. This is what the Holy Ghost is doing even today, right? He's filling those who want to be saved. Acts 15, 13 through 14. And after they had held their peace, James answered saying, men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon have declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. You know, people snapped up then because they thought they had a monopoly on this. You mean to tell me God is going across town down to the southern part of the city, saving them folks over there? They ain't got no money. They don't have no pedigree. I'm so glad that when God saved me, he didn't hold what I had in my bank account against me. He didn't, he didn't save according to my bank account. He didn't save according to who my mama was or who my daddy was. He didn't, he didn't look at pedigree. He looked at my heart. Yes, and these are the true members of the church. Hallelujah. True members of the church because you go to some churches, if you're not the right color, you can't get in there. Even today, yes, some churches, if, if you're not this, that, or the other, you can't come in there. Uh, but Jesus said, follow me. Come join my church. And the only way you can get into and this is the true church. So you better make sure you're in the church that Jesus built. The church that Jesus built was, was, is on a pure foundation. I hope you're following me today. Right? Only those who have been born again and washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ are true members of the church. Glory to God. 
Yes, and I felt some of y'all tightening up on me. What is he talking? I've been in the church longer than he's been alive. Yes, you've been sitting in the building longer than I've been alive. But if you don't have the Holy Ghost, if you haven't been washed in the blood of the Lamb, you ain't a member of the church. You are not in the church because the church is not a building. The church is the body of Jesus Christ. This is all you washed in the blood. All you, uh, see, I forgot the rest of the words, but we used to sing it all the time. The soul cleansing blood of the lamb. Are your, are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Listen. Let me tell you something. In the kingdom, there's no such thing as a little church and a mega church. It's just the body. So don't get caught up in that. That ain't no church over there. Listen, if you want to be a member of the church, you got to have the Holy Ghost. And you have to have a body and you have to have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. So we talked about the mystery. We started we're in the mystery of the church. And Paul is talking about the fact that um, this is the mystery. The Lord is, is saving and delivering, right? And, and, and this is a church that moves with power and the meaning of the church. It's, the, it's a body. It's not a building. He talks about the membership of the church, those who would give their lives to the Lord. He does not save according to nationality or pedigree or money or influence. You have to give your life to the Lord. Give him your filthy garment and he'll give you a robe of pure white. What is the mission of the church? Ephesians third chapter. And I'll take you to the eighth verse. The function or the mission of the church in the world. What is the why are we still here? Why is the church? Why is the body still here? It has a twofold function. Verse eight, chapter three, Ephesians unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world have been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now verse 10 is helping me even more to the intent that now Unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church what is the manifest wisdom of God. So verse 8 and 10 really make it clear what is the mission of the church or the purpose of the church. Uh, the purpose, let's say the purpose and mission or ministry of the church in the world. The reason why we're here is that men may hear the gospel. Church is not here to entertain. The church is not here to give in to compromise. The church is not here to look like the world or please the world. The church is here so that the world may hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that to the angels and to the unseen hosts may be known. He says even the angels and unseen hosts, we are here to reveal or to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow, the manifold, he says, the manifold wisdom of God. So here's the church's message. The church should have a message. If you're in the real church, if you're in the church that Jesus 
built, you have a message. The church's message is the unsearchable riches of Christ. The manifold wisdom of God. Not merely, the church is not merely here to deal with ethics and morality, right? Or philosophy or politics. The church is not here for that, right? The mission of the church is not just to gather people together for religious purposes. No. It is not to compete with the world. Listen to my notes. In worldly things, nor is it to convert to the world. To be like the world. The mission of the church is to evangelize the world. And I would, I would dare say uh, that after I preach the gospel, it is not my job to change anyone. The word that the church puts out and the example that the church gives to the world brings conversion to those who would receive who the church is presenting and what the church is really supposed to be. I hope you're with me today. The mission of the church is to evangelize the world. Foundational scripture, Matthew 28, 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So we've talked about mystery, we've talked about mission, we've talked about meaning, we've talked about membership. Now, let's talk about the ministers of the church. Oh, Lord, help me. Ephesians 3 and 7. Whereof I was made a minister, I was made a servant. That's what minister means. Whereof I was made a Minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. This, this tells me that Paul was a servant, a minister, a servant of the church, a servant. And I know uh, the mentality of a lot of people today, you got to have a title if, if you don't, if, you know, the title means so much. Uh, he, he's a bishop. He's a bishop this week, and next week he's an archbishop, you know. So, um, but Paul, Paul was an apostle. He was already a he was an apostle, and he says, "I'm a minister." He calls himself a minister, a minister. Let's compare that to when he talks in the fourth chapter of Ephesians. He says, uh, in verse eleven, and he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists pastors and teachers apostles prophets evangelists pastors teachers talking about the fivefold ministry these are gifts that god gave to the body for its perfection but in verse in chapter three he's as he refers to himself he's not he's i'm apostle so and so he says i'm a servant i'm a minister i'm a minister i'm a minister of the church right uh, let he who was greatest among you serve. Jesus, Jesus taught them, listen, don't get all wrapped up in these titles until you forget you're a servant. Right? Now, we're living in a day where uh, everybody is serving him. When I mean him, I mean the man. That's why he's got an entourage. We are, we are so 
today people are so wrapped up in uh, serving him until he could have two members. Uh, and if he has to, he'll rent an entourage so he can look important. But, but Paul says, listen, I'm a servant. I'm a servant of the gospel. But the word here is not used in an official sense. All true, listen, all true members of the church are ministers of the church. Anyone that's been born again, anyone that really has, has been filled with the Holy Ghost and washed in his blood, you are a servant. You're a servant in the church. He saves you and he'll put you to work. You are a servant in the church. You're responsible to take and share the word. You are responsible to take and share your testimony. He says, go ye out into all the world. When he saved, the Holy Ghost fell. He said, ye shall be my witnesses. So everybody should be serving. Everybody should, everybody should be telling somebody about Jesus. Everybody. Everybody. Listen, I didn't give you a, I'm not giving you a license and people, everybody wants to be in the pulpit. But when you get the Holy Ghost and you're in the church, everybody should be telling somebody about the Lord. Everybody should be in the word telling somebody something about Jesus, something about Jesus. Paul writes, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace. So the question is asked, how are ministers made? <laughs> Whoo, how are ministers made? The answer is simple. God makes them. God makes the minister. So, and I'm almost through. So let's talk about the marks of the church because all of this is in the mystery that, that Paul is dealing in. We're talking about the church, talking about the church. And I didn't mean to bust your bubble because some people really felt like, well, this building is the church and this building is not the church. It's where we worship and we can't even get in the building, right? So the church is still the church. The church is still the church. The doors of the church are still open. The doors of the building might be locked, but the church doors are still open. The marks of the church. Now, the portion of scripture tells us here that I'm getting ready to go into um, that there are some characteristics of those men and women who have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, who are in the church, whether they're Jews or whether they're Gentiles, they're members of the church. So once I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, you can't cancel out my membership. You might tell me that I have to go down the street somewhere, but I'm still in the church. <laughs> I am the church. He says um, there are characteristics that, that those who are members should have. And, and uh, that means what are, what are the members like? Uh, and I would say, well, what do you think a member of the church or the body of Christ should be like? Um, so, Paul, there are five marks, five things that you should be able to notice about someone who's a member. Um, listen to my notes. Five marks which should characterize every member of the body of Christ. And the first one is captivity. He says, 
in chapter 3, verse 1, this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. We are bond slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> we don't belong to ourselves. We are, we are uh, bond slaves to the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing is fellowship, Ephesians 3 and 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So the words heirs and sharers together remind us of that which we share in Christ. Verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. So captivity, fellowship, third one is humility humility Ephesians 3 and 8 unto me who am less than the least of all saints when you really have the Holy Ghost in you and you're part of the body of Christ you don't have that I'm a I'm greater than you mentality ain't nobody better than me mentality he says I'm the least of all of you he's the apostle he's saying I'm the least of all of you so humility humility is characteristic of those who are in the body. You're really in the church. Humility. When you're in the body, you have a testimony. Three and eight, Ephesians three and eight. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So he's dealing with the fact that I have a testimony because I was the least of all you see, he's saying, you don't know where the Lord brought me from or how messed up I was. The grace that God had to show unto me. And this is why I'm able to talk to the Gentiles who were outcasts, who were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. He said, I'm a Jew. Yes, I was, I'm, I'm was raised up and taught at the feet of Gamil. Uh, but at one time, and he's referring to his testimony, at one time I was a nasty person. I was killing those believers in Christ, throwing them in jail, even held the coats of those that stoned Stephen. But God had grace on me and saved me and sent me to the Gentiles. And I'm preaching this word, letting them know that the Lord can forgive and he can save. He's giving them the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. And the fifth thing, uh, he says, not only... Uh, do you have a testimony, but you have acceptance? And that's Ephesians 3, um, verses 11 and 12. According to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord, and whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. And the, so the underlining word now is because I'm in the body of Christ. Uh, you know, and because I'm I'm in his church, I can approach him. I have freedom. Now, it sounds like a contradiction. You're a bond slave to Christ now. Yes, I'll do whatever he tells me to do. Hallelujah. I'll say whatever he wants me to say. And now I have freedom now. I'm free from sin. Glory to God. Yes, and I'm living to please my Savior, and I have a confidence in him. Now I can come to the throne of God boldly. Yes, and it doesn't matter what my name is. 
as long as I'm his child. It doesn't matter, hallelujah, where I've come from. He delivered me. And I can come to him and talk to him anytime. And I am in him. And he is in me. So, but who was sufficient for these things? Can we fulfill this high calling? Hallelujah, because he opens up the book of Ephesians telling them they are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Am I worthy to fulfill this high calling? And can I do this in my own strength? And the answer is no. No, I can't do this in my own strength. So, because I can't do it in my own strength, that brings me to the last aspect of the mystery of the church. I've been delivered. I've been born again. Although people uh, looked at me and said, you don't deserve to be here. And they're, and they're right. I don't deserve to be here. But the grace of God. Hallelujah. God's amazing grace brought me here. And it didn't matter who said I shouldn't be here. God forgave me of my sins and brought me into his body. Grafted me in. Hallelujah. And I can't. I can't do any of this on my own strength. I can't even fulfill the calling into holiness and the calling into this fellowship. I can't do it on my own strength. So it has to be through his spirit. Ephesians 3 and 4, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of grace given unto me by the effectual working of his power. It all stays together. It all works together according to his power. So uh, in these words, the gift of God, Paul said, or the grace given unto me. Because he realizes, you know, I'm just a servant. And when God gets through with you, you, you become a servant too. He said, I'm not wrapped up in this title stuff. Understand? I have humility. I'm in the body. God could have left me in my sins, left me in my foolishness, left me in my ignorance. Paul was already in a building. He went to the synagogue, but now he's saying, I'm in the church. I'm a part of the body of Jesus Christ. And he says, it's because of the gift of grace that God has given me, and that same gift of grace that he was given me, Paul said, he's given it to you. And also in words... Um, he's letting them know, but no matter what you do, you should be doing it because of the manifest or the effectual working of his power. So listen, I, I need to say this and I'm going to close here uh, because I don't want to keep you too much long. And this is just the first installment and some of this will overlap and you'll see. So quickly to the beginning, before I make this final part, Paul was teaching that the church is three things. First chapter, he says the church is a body. The second chapter, he says the church is a temple. We're in the third chapter and he talks about the church as being a mystery, right? And it's all entwined. And I started with mystery first. Next week, I'll go to the second chapter where he says the church is a temple. And then after that, I'll go to the first chapter. We'll close out with the beginning. We started with the end, but we're closing out at the beginning where he says the church is body uh, and now the final aspect in within this mystery is the might of the church um, and there are those and I've seen it even on Facebook and sometimes 
people get into discussions about the church. They talk bad about the church. You know, what is the church doing? The church this, the church that, the church this. And, and uh, there are those who will outwardly say, you know, say loudly and abrasively uh, all of this negative talk. And it's not sinners talking about it, isn't it? You know, it's, it's the saints talking about it the church in a negative way and they because the witness of the church they say the witness of the church is so weak and the church is ineffective they'll they'll say that in in um many talk about it in a derogatory sense uh that so many christians are half-hearted um and the church will decline until uh the church just fades away that's not scripture Bible Bible says that some will turn away, some will fall away. There will be a falling away, but you're talking about the church being weak and the church being ineffective, uh, and the church being half-hearted, and the church is going to fade away. Nope, that's not scripture. The church is not going to fade away. The church is going to be taken away. Yeah. Help me, Holy Ghost. Put that hashtag. Put that in the comment section. The church will not fade away. The church will be taken away. Stay in the word. If you're going to talk about the church, let's talk about the church. If you're going to talk about the church, say the right thing. Talk right. This is God's church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And yes, some will give in to doctrines of seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. Some will give in, even the very elect will be fooled. But the church will not fade away. The church will be taken away. But you hear people talking about it. Uh, the, the church is this. The church is so weak. The church ain't nothing. And uh, But the church will never fail. I'm going to say it to you. The church will never fail fail because the Lord Jesus is the founder of the church. So you got to be careful of what you, if you're going to talk about the church, you got to be careful what you say out of your mouth. This is the Lord's church. This is the church that Jesus built. And my savior is not a half do. My savior is not weak. My savior is not a failure. There is no failure in God. And Paul said he is the head. He is the chief cornerstone. Hallelujah. So there's no failure in the church. So be careful. If you're going to talk about the church, watch what you say about the church. Jesus is the foundation. Now, if you go to if you're in the church and, and a man is the foundation, then yes, the church will fail. But the church that Jesus built, he's the head of the church. Right. He is the foundation. He is the builder of the church. And has guaranteed, listen, he has guaranteed that no power on earth or hell will prevail against the, let's talk about the church. Let's talk about the church. I know there are people backsliding. I know there are people who are leaving the faith. I know there are people who are trying to twist doctrine and do everything else. But the real church, the church that Jesus built, it will not fail. Hallelujah. Matthew 16. I feel like having church here all by myself. 
I hear the echo, but it's a praise echo. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, and one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered, said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, the gates of hell, the gates of hell, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to take you to 1 Corinthians 3.11. I'm getting ready to close this segment. Stay with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay then that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Yes, say what you want about the church, but the church will not fade away. No, the church is not a lost cause. Jesus is the foundation. Glory to God. That's the mystery that Paul is talking about. Stop getting all hooked up in the fact that, uh, you know, of the building and who the pastor is and how good the choir sings. Are you in the church that Jesus built? Hallelujah. Have you been born again? Have you been set free? Have you been delivered? It's a mystery. Hallelujah. It's a, this is a mystery Paul is talking about and it will be revealed unto me. Because at one time I thought only one group of people can come in this way. And I thought God was going to do it like this, but he did it like this. He said, Paul said, the Lord showed it to me. Even the Gentiles are going to come up in here and be joint heirs with you. The same Holy Ghost that filled you is going to fill them, all nations. I'm going to pull out a people from every nation. Hallelujah. These are the members of my church. Got to be born in it. And I'm so glad that the Lord has filled me with the Holy Ghost. I'm so glad. And I want you to know, I'm going to say it out loud. I have no determination or no, hallelujah, feeling or, or no unction to leave this church. If anything, I'm determined to stay. My unction is the function underneath the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. My God. And my weakness, hallelujah, yes, I might get weak sometime. Yes, I might feel like giving up sometime, but I got a word that says my strength is made perfect in your weakness. When you're connected, when you're in the body, hallelujah, it's a mystery. But Paul said, I understand it now. Hallelujah. I understand this now. The church is a body, a temple, and a mystery. I hope you receive something out of this. Lord, I wish I could teach it the way I feel it, but I'll be back next week with part two and we'll be in chapter two, uh, dealing with the fact that the church is a temple. Church is a temple, yes. Listen, I wanna say a special prayer for those of you who have connected with me tonight. 
Uh, if you have a special need of prayer, of course, and you want to send me that prayer request, we're in this fast. And uh, if you send me that request, I'll lay it on the altar as I lay here praying for those. Some have already sent in prayer requests and I've been laying it to the Lord. Uh, send that at admin at grtdc.org. Uh, and someone from the staff will take care of that and make sure that I get it. But I want to pray a special prayer for those those of you who have connected today don't know what you're going through don't know what your needs are but God knows all about it I want to pray a special prayer right now why don't you squeeze that smartphone or reach out and touch your screen won't you father in the name of your son Christ Jesus I pray for every brother every sister every individual who has connected with me on this evening you know what they're in need of you know what they're going through Glory be to God. I pray that you move on their behalf. Don't let this session close out without them feeling your power, your anointing. Without them feeling a touch from you. Touch them, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. If you want to plant a seed in this ministry, want to pay your tithing, send an offering, you may do so technician will make sure that it's on the screen and those of you who are at the annex there in the bronx the new york area you may use givelify take advantage of this won't you be a blessing hope that we've been a blessing to you and we've been uh, asking after morning worship but if you would like to send us a testimonial of how you've been blessed uh, by our services or even by uh, the bible classes Send us a testimonial. That means uh, you'll have to tape it and send it in to us. And the technician can put that information on the bottom of the screen for you. If you want to tape yourself and send it in, send it to our technicians and they'll incorporate that in our worship so people can hear you and see you testifying about how you've been blessed by this ministry. Want to get you involved? Yes, want to get you engaged. We can't see each other in the building, uh, but I'm reaching out virtually, touching you, praying for you, knowing that God will deliver and make ways out of no way for you and your whole house. I can't wait for part two. Lord, I'm already thinking about coming back and talking about uh, the church. Let's talk about the church. I will see you, Lord willing, next week. But until then, there are three things that I want you to do. Be careful, be prayerful, and be holy. Shalom, shalom.